0: Hi friends, thank you for joining me for another episode of Good Morning Family, a podcast of my weekly sermons. Who knows, maybe I'll throw in a special sermon for you every now and then. I hope this podcast is good news for you. If you find these words helpful, please rate and review my podcast on iTunes or on whatever host you found it. Thanks for your help and for being part of the family. And now, here's this week's sermon. Listen and enjoy. Good morning, family. Today is the third Sunday in the season of Advent. Before I forget, I want to tell you that we're preparing a special Christmas Eve podcast for you on December 24th. I hope it will be a meaningful and special part of your holiday celebration. So be on the lookout for our special Christmas Eve podcast. Today we're in Advent, and Advent is about waiting. We're waiting for our King. And as we tell the story of Jesus through the church calendar, we begin our retelling of the story, not with doing or celebrating, but with waiting, waiting for God to act, waiting for Jesus to come. But most of us are not very good at waiting, are we? We like things instantaneously, don't we? Waiting feels too much like doing nothing. and We are the driven ones who take pride in being busy. Waiting's really not our thing. Or worse yet, waiting feels too much like lament, which is closer to the truth. And we don't like to lament or mourn or weep. So we compensate by conflating Advent and Christmas into one huge holiday season. But the truth is that Advent is quite different from Christmas because it has within it a strong theme of prophetic lament. The world has gone wrong. Justice lies fallen in the streets. It feels like God is nowhere to be found. That's when the lamentation of waiting arises in our soul. In the Bible, from Isaiah to Malachi, all of the prophets have cried, O Lord, how long? Each of the Hebrew prophets in their own way composed prophecies around this theme. The Lord is coming. God is about to act. But for now, we wait. Our waiting may be unpleasant, but it is essential. But it's in the hard work of waiting that our soul grows quiet and contemplative. It's in the waiting that we cultivate a capacity for awareness By which we can discern what God is doing when He does act. So, Advent is about active waiting. Last week we talked about the work of comforting. When we comfort others, we fill in the valleys and bring down the mountains. We make straight and smooth God's highway of redemption. Today, let's look again at more words from the poet prophet Isaiah. Let's read a short passage. From Isaiah chapter 61, hear the word of the Lord. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My wife and I have two children. Most days, most days, it's hard to pick a favorite. Now playing favorites usually gets you in trouble someone gets special privileges while someone gets passed over someone gets more attention and someone gets left out playing favorites causes conflict it generates hard feelings and it can cause offense that being said playing favorites is something to be avoided in all of our relationships except for marriage of course And by the way, I want to go on record as saying that my wife is my all-time favorite. So other than your spouse, you should not play favorites. And yet it seems that at the heart of the gospel is the idea that God plays favorites. It seems that the story of the scriptures is that God chooses a family to bless in a special way above all other families. Way back in the book of Genesis, God chose a particular, specific man and family. God chose a people to liberate and made them unique from all other people. God chose a tribe to honor as his favorite possession, treasured above all other tribes. It sure sounds like God is playing favorites, doesn't it? The phrase at the heart of our Christmas celebrations, peace on earth, goodwill toward men is a prime example of this. When the angels appeared to the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night, they announced glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. When we come to this part of the Christmas story, I think it's important to ask then on whom does God's favor rest? Does God's favor rest on just the few, on only the chosen, only on the righteous? When Jesus was born, the angels appeared to the poor shepherds and announced peace. Peace. What great news, right? Oh, by the way, they said, God has favorites. But playing favorites does not promote peace, does it? How can there be peace if God plays favorites? Let me ask you this. Who are God's favorites? Well, Isaiah gave us the answer. Here's what we read a moment ago. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. So, what do you think? Who are God's favorites? God's favorites are the poor and the broken-hearted, the captive and the prisoner, those who mourn and those who grieve. They are God's favorites. They are to be the beneficiaries of God's advent. They are the apple of his eye. That's why in verse 2, Isaiah proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. Now, that's a reference to the biblical concept of the year of jubilee. What is jubilee? Jubilee. Well, back when God gave the law to Moses, he told them that they should rest every seventh day. That's what we call the Sabbath. Then God told them that they should rest every seventh year. No planting or harvesting, simply rest and trust God to take care of them. Then after seven cycles of seven years, on the 50th year, they were to rest some more. More than that, the 50th year was the year of Jubilee, the year of God's favor. In that year, all debts were to be forgiven. All slaves were to be set free. It was God's way of setting everything right. It was God's plan to level the playing field. Isn't that an interesting plan? So who stood to benefit the most from this year of Jubilee? The rich? or the poor, the oppressed or the oppressor, the comfortable or the brokenhearted, the captor or the captive. Would it surprise you to learn that we have no evidence that God's plan was ever put into practice? As far as we can tell, those early followers of God never trusted God enough to rest every seventh year, and they certainly never trusted God enough or took God seriously enough to implement God's year of Jubilee to benefit God's favorites. Listen, God loves the poor and the oppressed, those who mourn and grieve, the brokenhearted and the captive and the mistreated. Why do you think Jesus was fond of saying things like someday the last will be first and the first will be last? Why did he say that? Because God plays favorites. Why do you think Isaiah tells us, if, if we'd kept on reading this morning, why does Isaiah say that God declares, I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. That's in Isaiah 61 verse 8. Why do you suppose he said that? Because God plays favorites, because time and time again, God shows up. And when he does, he sides with the last, the least, the lost, the lonely and the left out. Now, Isaiah knew what it was like to be broken hearted. He lived among people who knew grief, captivity and despair firsthand. He knew what it was like to feel trapped, helpless and hopeless. Have you ever felt that way? If so, then God is speaking to you today. And he wants you to know and feel joy when you hear that his son, Jesus, came to set you free. God sent Jesus to come and give you beauty instead of ashes, to bring gladness instead of mourning, to give you praise in the place of despair. Jesus is the only one who redeems and restores what was destroyed. And Jesus has come to us, and he still comes to us, and he will come to us. And he shows up in the most unexpected places, in the most unexpected ways, and at the most unexpected times. The first time it was in a dirty stable, and he slept in a stinky manger. And he still shows up in the dirty, stinky moments of life. The first time he was born in the darkest hour bringing hope and light and he still comes to us in the darkest of hours. Advent is a time of waiting and watching for God to come as he promised, to make right everything that is wrong. We expect Jesus to come and walk with us, to come and help us carry our burdens. We anticipate God coming to us and making it possible for all of us to thrive. The good news of the Christmas gospel is that Jesus came to us and still comes to us to show that anyone who is poor or broken hearted is God's favorite. And that everyone who is a captive or prisoner is God's favorite. Anyone and everyone who grieves and mourns is God's favorite. The good news of the Christmas story is that God's favor rests on all of us with no exceptions. The angels announcement meant that now is the year of the Lord's favor. Now is the time when God's grace defines all our lives. The joyful message of the angelic choir, peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests is that now we are all with no exceptions. God's favorites. Let's pray. God of hope who brought love into this world. Be the love that dwells between us. God of hope who brought peace into this world. Be the peace that dwells between us. God of hope who brought joy into this world. Be the joy that dwells between us. God of hope the rock we stand upon. Be the center, the focus of our lives always, and particularly this Advent time. Again, Father, we pray for all who are affected and afflicted by the coronavirus. We pray for strength and healing and peace during these uncertain days. And now, using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, Well, thanks again for joining me. Your job this week is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it, okay? Everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what, right? Don't let the cares, concerns, and craziness of these days rob you of your joy. With Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen.